Imputed Podcast starts right now. And hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Football Frenzy Podcast. Jake Asman alongside Dan Budick. And after a brief hiatus for Thanksgiving break, we're back for our final football frenzy of the semester. Final football frenzy of the semester. It was a great week of football, obviously, last week. Out of debatable. The, the, I know, it, the it, Thanksgiving it, games were pretty I, below average. I always think Thanksgiving's good football, but, you know, wasn't exactly the best games we saw. A couple of routes, a couple of, you know, the, the night game, not exactly the most competitive game. Unfortunately, 19-6, to 6, but 49ers, they're, they're a whole other story. And we'll get to the 49ers a little bit later on in the program, but, of course... Another losing week for New York football. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about the Jets and Giants as we've done throughout the course of the season. It's pretty much a lost cause. The only thing you could say about the Giants is what does this mean for Tom Coughlin's future? Because we know Rex Ryan is not surviving this. But what about John Isaac as a general manager for the Jets? And then we've already mentioned the Giants and what's going to be happening with Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin. So we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. But the AFC playoff picture, a lot of teams sitting at 7-5. and five, Not really sure what's going on there. You had the announcement today in the NFL that the Browns are going back to Brian Horner, making sure they're staying with him. They're not going to go to Johnny Manziel. So we'll cover that as well. And as always, we'll do our four downs with Jake Chernock. And, of course, later on in the show, we'll make our weekly and final Pigskin Pick'ems. Final one of the uh, final one of the year. It's been, it's been back and forth between me and you and the Pick'ems. So. No, it really has been. So we'll get to all that a little bit later on in the show. But let's begin now going around the league as we do each and every football frenzy. And we'll start with a matchup of two NFC, excuse me, AFC North teams, Steelers and the Bengals. You look at this Pittsburgh Steelers team, 7-5, and five, and you have a Bengals team that's been very inconsistent. Andy Dalton at 8-3-1 and one, hasn't had you know his typical season going into the playoffs, and it, it's just going to be interesting how they come up and play. I, just, I don't know. I'm not sold on the Cincinnati Bengals, but then again, you look at the Steelers, and you can't be sold on them either. A couple of loss, tough losses, including one to the Jets who sit at 2-10, and 10, so I, I feel like this game could really jump either way. Oh, Dan, you didn't even mention the fact that the Steelers just got destroyed by a Saints team that came in losing three three straight home games. Drew it's Brees so tough with the them. Saints. I, 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 who knows what kind of team they are, well, even at this point in the Well, season. I don't know what the Saints are, but looking at the Steelers, I don't know what they are either. They're not a very good football team. If they continue to lose to teams that aren't very good, they have losses now to the Saints, to the Jets, to the Bucks, and this is a 7-5 football team that should be a lot better than 7-5 if they just took care of some of the easier teams on their schedule. Instead, they see they see themselves in a deadlock in that division. Of course, Cincinnati comes in 8-3-1, and one, so they're a little bit above that. In the division, they're currently le- leading it as we speak, but we don't we don't really know what type of team the Bengals are either. Yes, they're no eight idea. three and one. They barely beat the Bucks last week. They won fourteen to thirteen. So and there's been times this year where they've looked terrible, yeah, including and, and, uh, the game to the Browns just a, f- a few short weeks ago. And there's been times where they've looked great. So you, you look at these two teams and. Not really sure what to expect, but we do know with four weeks left, someone's got to win this division. So this would be a very good matchup to help give us a better idea what might unfold there. And let's get to another game. Rams at the Redskins, and obviously the Redskins at 3-9 have struggled all season long, but they benched RG3. They've been going with um, Colt McCoy, and just the fall from grace from for RG3 since he was Rookie of the Year over Andrew Luck in his first season leading that Redskins team to 10-6 and six to the playoffs, and, you know, it's been remarkable. He has not been the same player since his injuries have just piled up, and now he's riding the pine. He's riding the pine. He hasn't been the same player since his injuries, and, and it, it just goes to show you that when you have those kind of knee injuries, a guy like RG3 can't utilize his his strengths as a quarterback that, that, that won him the Heisman at Baylor, that led the 
the Redskins to a 10 and 6 record in a playoff berth his rookie season and it's unfortunate there's a lot of turmoil there between between uh, Coach Gruden and, and RG3, and then the divide maybe between Schneider and Coach for, and Coach Gruden for not playing RG3. It's really an ugly situation, but I think when, when all is said and done, this is Gruden's first year, and I don't think RG3 will be back next season. It's going to be interesting to see what happens to RG3. They invested so much to get him. Three oh, first-round picks. Shame. Against this team, the and same they gave Rams. up on him already. I mean, after only three seasons, two bad ones back-to-back, I, I mean, that'd be kind of tough. But the way Redskins fans talk about him, they hate the guy. The way – and they hate some of his comments post-game. I, I mean, RG3 – I mean, he was throwing his teammates under the bus. RG, can't do that. RG3 has struggled facing criticism. And, you know, it's been a down downhill spiral since he started up so great in the league just, you know, three seasons ago. And then you look at this Rams team. If only they had a quarterback because, man, do they have a very good defense. They get after the pass rush, the passer. They play outstanding defense in that secondary. They've beaten some really good football teams this year. We've talked about on the show in the past. The Seattle Seahawks lost them. Then the San Francisco 49ers. You know, they beat the Broncos as well. So this is a team that's beat some really good football teams. They're at 5-7, and seven, but if they had a quarterback, you know, they'd probably you know be in the playoff conversation. They're that good of a team. But you know, the thing for them going forward is, what do they do with that position? Because obviously, Sam Bradford, a lot of question marks surrounding what they're going to do with him. First overall pick towards ACL before the season even started. And now they're at five and seven without really having any good quarterback play for most of the season. Yeah, they, I mean Sam Bradford can't avoid that injury bug. They sit at five and seven right now. With you mentioned it, without a quarterback, they basically won five games. You know, just relying on their defense and, and tremendous special teams too. Whether it was against Denver or against Seattle, they've had a tremendous special teams unit. But you mentioned it; they're they're really a quarterback away from being really, really competitive and, and a playoff. You know, a team that could possibly get a playoff berth. They're just not there yet. They need a quarterback, and you know who knows? Maybe next year it'll be the Rams' year to go on a run and, and make a few playoffs. Because they are a really good football team. They have a tremendous defense, and you mentioned it. They rush the passer. You know, some of the best in the NFL. Yeah, you got to credit Jeff Fisher since he's took over the Rams. They've been very good. That was a very good hire after they let go of Steve Spagnuolo. But then you look at this Panthers team, and that will take us to our next game: Panthers at the Saints. Panthers. We talked about it on previous shows. After they were twelve and four last year in the divisional round, they're three eight and one, and they have just been awful they're not a good football team they got killed by the vikings and they allowed two punt returns in that game two block punts excuse me awful. how do you let that happen? one should never happen they allowed two in the same game it's you know it really is remarkable and you look at the saints team they were struggling lost three straight games at home but who would have thought they go on the road in pittsburgh and drew Brees those five touchdown passes and they pick up a big win right there the problem with the carolina panthers is and what did we talk about last year when they went 12 and 4 and were the best team in the nfc they play defense they protected Cam Newton, and they were able to stretch the ball downfield. They haven't done any of those things to any with any success this season. Their defense isn't as good, and they they cannot protect Cam Newton in the pocket. And again, when you have a quarterback that likes to move and, and that has the skill set that Cam Newton has, if you don't protect him, you know you're leaving him out there to dry, and, and that's what they've done this season. And it didn't help that they stripped his receiving core and really hoped he would maybe take his game to the next level, which he hasn't done. And then of course the Saints, Dan been a struggle all season long but they're right there in the thick of things in that a and that nfc south are really is unbelievable you look at the, the falcons and the saints two teams that have been through stretches this season awful one of those teams is going to host a playoff game it really is it's bizarre because the falcons are a bad football team you know it, it, they're a bad team they're not they're not good their defense is really 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 bad they struggle in the secondary their pass rush has been pretty obsolete this year you know they're they've really they've really when they when they ha, when they've won games they've been forced to out you know just out shoot their opponent and when you have Matt Ryan 
you know, that it gives you the capability of doing that. But, I mean, they're a bad football team. And it's funny because just, what, three, four weeks ago we talked about Smith losing his job as the head coach. You know, if they make the playoffs and who knows what's, what would happen then, how can you fire the guy? Well, I think if they make the playoffs and lose in the first round, I still fire Mike Smith. That, that's too many years of underperforming, and they're not a good team. They got very fortunate that the they're, rest of the division took major lucky, yeah. steps back. They're very lucky. The Atlanta Falcons with a good football coach and a couple pieces on defense could be great. We've talked about it in the past. Rex Ryan would be a great fit if he ever got hired there, but obviously we'll see what happens. But Mike Smith has not done a good job. You know, they've, no, had a, they've had a couple seasons where they've been a really good team that they've underperformed. And this season, they were supposed to be much better after they won four games last year. Right now, they sit at four and seven, and they're very lucky that division is horrendous because they're right in the thick of things. And then you look at the Saints team sitting at five and seven, you know, and of course, I, I said just before the Falcons were four and seven, they're also five, five and seven. seven. Yeah. So both teams are five and seven. One of these teams is going to host a playoff game. And we, I think we might have said this before. How ironic would it be if the Saints host the Seahawks as an under 500, maybe a 7-9 type of team. They're hosting the Seahawks. And, and pulls what they did a couple of years you ago. You remember what happened just sure. a few years ago when Marshawn Lynch had that run and eliminated then the Super Bowl defending champs, uh, New Orleans Saints. And that would be an interesting uh, an interesting concept. But you know what? Even if the Saints say they get into the playoffs and 7-9 and wins that division, they are a legitimate threat. If they get hot with Drew Brees and their defense pulls it together, they could go on a run. And up until the you know the past you know three weeks, it was almost impossible to beat the Saints in the dome. You give them a, 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 yeah, a chance to play a home game, you never know what could happen. So you know, as bad as the Saints have been, I think they're still significantly better than the Falcons are. They just have to start playing like it because because Atlanta's going to be going on the road on Monday night to take on Green Bay. That's so, a loss. So that's likely going to be a loss. Let's be honest. They're not being Rodgers. In retro, I mean, that's a loss. That's a loss. So it's up to the the Saints who are playing this Panthers team to take advantage and, and get a lead in this division. And it's going to be that. That's going to be a, an interesting end to that division, just to see, you know, which team folds, but you know, which team plays well. Because really, both teams haven't played that well for for most of this season. So that's a that's a tight division on the on the losing end. But by the end of this week, we expect the Saints to have a one game lead, obviously, because of the way the schedule is drawn up with Atlanta having to go to Green Bay and that's the Saints tough. having a bad Carolina team in a, their building. A really they bad mu- Carolina must win for team. The Saints. Must, must win for the Saints because, like you mentioned, they could jump in the division and they could hold that spot the rest of the way. Let's look at the Ravens and the Dolphins now, two teams that we're very familiar with. The Ravens 7-5, Miami 7-5. Two big games, right? or a huge game right here for two teams trying to make the playoffs in a very tight AFC, fighting for the wild card spots. And, of course, the Dolphins barely escaped the Jets on Monday night. And now you have a Ravens team that's been, you know, for the most part pretty consistent of late. And they had a, they picked up some, some nice wins, but at the same time, 7-5. They're still trailing in that division to the Bengals. Big game for both teams. Big game for both teams. Miami Dolphins now sit at the sixth seed with the win over the Jets on Monday night. I'll tell you what, the Miami Dolphins are a real good football team. And I've been really impressed over the last five or six weeks the improvements that Ryan Tannehill has made as a quarterback, especially passing the ball downfield, you know, third and ten, third and third and third plus. He's done a tremendous job there. And, you know, I like what I've seen out of the Dolphins. I really do. They found a way to beat the Jets in, you know, a Monday night game that, you know, the Jets obviously ran the football very effectively. Geno Smith didn't pass at all. We'll get to that a little bit later. But you know, you credit the team for finding a way to win, and now they return home. And, you know, let's be honest, the Dolphins want to be a playoff team. These are the type of games against good teams they have to win. Because this is a team that could that could overtake them in that six spot. This is a, a huge tiebreak scenario. You look at the head-to-head, they let these teams finish even. Baltimore will get the spot. So Huge game. Huge game for both teams. And, you know, we'll make our picks later, but this is definitely a game to keep your eye on. And then we'll get to... A game right here with the Colts and the Browns. Obviously, one of our producers, Jake Goldberg, big Colts guy. 
loves Angie Luck, the whole thing. He was hoping he'd see Johnny Manziel starting for the Cleveland Browns, but it was announced today that Brian Hoyer will remain the starting quarterback for this Browns football team. And now the Browns, right there in the playoff race, sitting at 7-5 like all these other teams, both alive for the division and for the wild card. They're going to go back to Brian Hoyer. They're sticking with him in the situation where every win is so important. And now have a home game against the Colts. You would think that it's not going to be an easy victory for them, but they need to find a way to win some of these games. And I think it's interesting that they went back to Hoyer only because they went to Manziel in the fourth quarter. I thought when they'd go to Manziel, it would be Manziel's way. It would be Manziel's team the rest of the way. I'm surprised they went to Manziel, even if it was for a short period of time, and then switched back to Hoyer. I wasn't expecting them to do that, but I do think, in the context of seven and five, and you're you're in the hunt, you're on the bubble and making the playoffs. You got to stick to the guy that's gotten you there. You got to stick to Brian Hoyer. I think it's the right move as well. I think you know Johnny Manziel. We know what type of talent he is, but he hasn't played. And you're going to turn into a rookie when you're seven and five, and then right there in the playoff race. I think you got to be a little more fair to Brian Hoyer, give him the opportunity. He got you to where you are right now. Got to ride him out a little bit. And obviously, we all want to watch Johnny football. We're all big football fans. We want to see this guy play. But I do think it's the right move. It's a very conservative call by head coach Mike Pettin, but I think it's the right move at this time. Well, I think Pettin realistically feels that is it fair to throw a guy into the fire at seven and five that hasn't played at all this season, and you're throwing a, a, a you know a rookie quarterback into the fire into a heated AFC playoff race. I think they made the right move with sticking with Hoyer. And then you have a Colts team that's eight and four among the better teams in the AFC. And they have Andrew Luck, who every single week, he, he's leading the number one ranked offense out there in the NFL. Yeah, and he's you know, throwing the ball 45, 50 times a game. You know, he doesn't care, and, and they've done a great job extending plays and extending the field. It, it should be a good matchup because, again, it has playoff implications on both sides. The Colts trying to clinch the division, and the Browns trying to keep their playoff hopes alive. So it's, that will be a very good game to watch. A lot of good matchups this week on paper. Obviously, it's been kind of the year of the blowout. We've talked about this Unfortunately, before. Unfortunately, in primetime fashion, it's, it, every game has seemed to be a blowout. It's, un- it's unfortunate. Other than when it. the Jets play and they lose in well, they're ugly. Ways. They're two ugly games. Patriots, the Bears, Miami. Yeah. Every time the Jets have been a prime time this year, it's been an event. So let's get to well, every time the Jets have played, it's been an event. <laughs> let's get to the Buccaneers and the Lions. Tampa Bay's two and ten. Their season's been over for a while. And Detroit eight and four, trying to pick up where they left off on Thanksgiving when you know the Bears got off to a quick start and the Lions came all the way back and were able to win that game very handily. The Lions at eight and four. How great would it be if the Buccaneers could get an upset here uh, on the road and, and go to uh, go to 3-10? and 10 Because, you know, when you look at the draft stat, especially for us, a lot of implications on this game because the Jets also sit at 2-10. and 10. And we want the Jets to get as high a draft pick as they can. Hey, the Buccaneers get a win here, they, 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 and the Jets lose to the Vikings if that happens. The Jets hop over the, the Buccaneers in playoff picture. Listen, at this point— In the, po- in the, in the uh, draft status. At this point, the teams I'm rooting for, because my team has been out of it, I'm rooting for Jacksonville. Of course. I'm rooting for Oakland. I'm rooting for Tampa. I would, I would be I'm thrilled if Oakland could win two more games. Uh, that'd be fantastic. I'd be happy. I'm also, uh, obviously, really rooting for the Tennessee Titans, which the Jets will match up against next week. So we have all that to look forward to. But obviously, Dan, the Bucks are 2-10 and 10 against an 8-4 and four Lions team. Game the Lions have to win. It's, In all series, the Lions have to win It's an easy game. game for the Lions to win. Got to take advantage of it. You're at home. I expect them to. Though the Bucks are 2-10, and 10. they've been in some competitive games, but they have not a good football team. Moving on to the Texans at the Jaguars. Let's go Jags, baby. Big win over the New York Giants in one of the most ridiculous games you'll see. The Bucks came all the way back from a 21-point deficit to beat the Giants in that game. And just, you know, what an awful loss for that Giants team last week. Tom Coughlin, all the questions. Does he have to go? Do they have to make a change? All really 
got ignited by this yep. loss. And you know, you have a Texans team six and six that went back to Fitzpatrick at their mallet was out for the season, and Fitz throws six touchdown passes, one of them to Mr. JJ Watt. Now JJ Watt six touchdown passes on the season, but for Houston six and six. It's been a nice season for them, considering they were so bad last year. They were two year. and fourteen. They were two and fourteen last and year. They, they lost were... fourteen straight games. That's right. They were two and zero. Oh. Who could forget? They were in first place at one time last year. But you come in against a Jacksonville Jaguar team, they're clearly more talented than. Then. You know, this is a game you want to win. Game for the Texans. They have to win. A, you know, they're still alive in the playoff. Technically, hunt. yes, they are. Or uh, the scenario for the the Colts that clinch that division is, of course, if the Colts win, the Texans lose to the Jaguars. Colts clinch it, but still four games to play. So you would think the Texans will be able to beat a very bad Jaguars team. But we said the same thing about the Giants, and they lost. Yeah, the only thing is, the Giants if you, you, you lose this game, you go to six and seven. If you're Houston. I don't, and they win. I don't know if nine wins is going to get you into the playoffs. No, they won't. So yeah, this is so. a game. This is a game they have to win if they want to. Remain alive in the playoff hunt. And then, of course, Jaguars 2-10. and 10. As a Jet fan, we're rooting for them. Yeah, Good luck. Go Jags. Go Jags, baby. Let's get to the Bills and the Broncos as we head into the 4 o'clock games. Bills coming in, obviously, at 7-5, and five, another 7-5 and five team. Seems like every team in yeah. the AFC is 7-5. and five. But, you know, this is the Bills team that had a very ugly win over the Browns. We just talked about it. Kyle Orton has just been oh, – he's been awful. And that's what you expect from him. He's had, he's had his moments. He's had some some – some flashes, but he's Kyle Orton. We know what you're going to get out of him, and you know, really speaks volumes that they didn't even think about going to EJ Manuel at all in last week's game. Just, show, just shows you that the the, the, the uh, trust level, the, tr- the, the 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 trust they have, not necessarily in Kyle Orton, but the, the lack of trust they have in EJ Manuel. And you know, when you take a guy in the first round, it was a sixteen, was it sixteen, seventeen overall, maybe yeah. a little high. I don't know where they took him, but you take a guy in the first round, you think second year this guy's going to be leading you. And, Next thing you know, you sign a guy late, Kyle Orton, and he's he's your quarterback. But they're still in there. They could definitely make a playoff, get into the playoffs, but it's going to be tough to go in the Denver and beat the Broncos. Oh, it's going to be extremely tough. It's, it's a tough game for them to win. Very tough. And then this is a Denver, Denver Bronco team that got back on track last week. They they previously lost two straight games, if you remember, to uh, the, the Patriots, and then they lost to the Rams back-to-back weeks. But they got back on track last week, got things figured out. Manning was great as usual. Well, you figured they would. On Sunday Night Football, they ran the football very well against Kansas City, and the Pats are back. Uh, excuse me, the, the, the Broncos are back after, of course, they beat Miami in a shootout two weeks ago, and then last week against Kansas City on Sunday Night Football. So Denver at 9-3 and three is putting themselves in position to win that division. So they – this is a big game for Buffalo. I'm not picking them. I don't no, trust it's them. It's but a big game. To go on the road in Denver, that's not an easy matchup for a Bills team at seven and five. That needs every win they can get. Considering everyone, it seems in the playoff picture in the AFC is seven and five. Not outside of the division leaders, it seems like everyone's seven and five. So it's a game really for the Bills if they want to, you know, keep on pace here with the rest of the the. Uh the, the circus of the AFC playoff picture, you know, they're going to have to win this game. But I, like you said, it, going into Denver with you know get coming off two straight wins for the Broncos at home, you know, they don't often lose games often at home. Another team that has struggled lately is the Chiefs and the Cardinals. Both of these teams, Chiefs, once again, another seven and five AFC team, and then the Cardinals at nine and three. But if you remember, they were nine and one. Drew Stanton took over, or they were eight and one when Drew Stanton took over, and they've yeah. struggled a little bit since. They have obviously not been able to score as much as they were with Carson Palmer. And we knew Drew Stanton. We know what he is. He's he's been a career backup. He's thrown into the the starting position. He's had his moments, but overall, this Cardinals team has really struggled offensively since they unfortunately lost Palmer for the season. And you knew they would not have the same kind of offense they would with Carson Palmer. They're going to need their defense to carry them, and they're going to need their defense to, you know, play like they did very early in the season as far as being opportunistic and and forcing turnovers and turning those turnovers into scores, but. Obviously, when you have a quarterback like Drew Stanton, you mentioned it, you, you, he's more managing a game that's going to win you a football game. 
And then, of course, you look at this Chiefs team, and they've really struggled, too. They lost to the Oakland Raiders. Then they lost, obviously, to the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos are a good team, but the Raiders lost really hurt them because that was a game they were banking on winning. And when you lose that, you got to try and pick up a win elsewhere where you didn't think you were going to get it. So Chiefs team that started 0-2, now they're 7-5. and they're right there in the thick of things for a wild card spot, like every other AFC like every, team besides our Jets, pretty pr- much. Pretty much. The AFC has really been a circus. There's so many teams that are just right there to take that sixth seed. Obviously, it's it's being held right now by the Dolphins with the win over the Jets on Monday night. But, you know, it's far, far from over with every team being at 7-5. to five. There's so many things that you have to look at, whether it be uh, who has an advantage because of wins, AF, uh, conference wins, divisional wins. There's so much things to look at, and, and I could see in the next couple of weeks, you know, that six seed being six different teams in the next couple of weeks. It well, really is trem- It really has been a crazy, crazy AFC wild card picture. Well, when you look at the 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 AFC right now, the Dolphins at seven and five hold the last remaining wild card spot, but they have a tough schedule coming up. We already talked about their Baltimore game. They have New England. Minnesota, and the Jets. The Jets always play them tough. Say whatever you want about the Jets and how Jets-like would it be if the Jets need to lose that last game to get a you know, top three pick and they win it. Yeah, be very yeah, Jets-like. be pretty Jets-like. So we'll see. But obviously, Dolphins right now need to take care of their schedule. But you look at the Chiefs. They're right there in the hunt. We just talked about Arizona, Oakland, Pittsburgh, San Diego. The Bills at 7-5 have a brutal schedule with Denver, Green Bay, Oakland, New England. Other than Oakland, oh, that's, yeah, that's brutal. Those, those are hard games to win and obviously the Bills need to somehow win some of these games against good teams if they want to get in. The Ravens at seven and five have Miami, Jacksonville, Realistically Houston, they're gonna have to go three and one in Cleveland. Bills. Ravens have a relatively easy schedule if you look at it. And then the Pittsburgh Steelers remaining schedule Cincinnati, Atlanta, Kansas City, Cincinnati tough schedule for them so no one really stands out to me if I had to guess right now I'd probably pick Baltimore but we'll see because obviously the Dolphins they're gonna have a head-to-head matchup with Baltimore this week so that's a huge game for both teams yeah that's very- outside of that matchup that both these teams have very favorable schedule going forward down the stretch yeah and if the Dolphins can somehow if the Dolphins can really beat if the Dolphins can win this week against Baltimore they go to New England uh figure they lose at New England so they would sit at eight and six then they play Minnesota and the Jets. That's a very, very, very favorable last two games if you're trying to clinch a playoff spot. That's why this week is huge for them. It's, it really is big this week for the Dolphins and the Ravens. Both that, teams, a huge game. Both teams right in the mix of things. And then, of course, we just talked about the Chiefs. So they're right there. 425, Seahawks at Mark Sanchez and the Eagles. Eagles big win over the Dallas Cowboys on Thanksgiving. And we all thought that would be a very close game, but Sanchez and that offense, they went up big early on, and Dallas didn't really have enough to answer that. Eagles defense stepped up and had probably one of their better performances of the season. Yeah, and Dallas, you know, they were given a tough hand. They're playing Sunday night in New York to them playing Thursday during the day at home. Uh, against a team like uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, which is how they've been playing, that, that's a tough, that's a tough, uh, that's a tough card for the Dallas Cowboys. It, it was tough, but the Eagles really came out. They played tremendous, and you look at them playing a Seahawks team at eight and four. You know they need wins to stay to 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 gain ground and to to hold their own in the NFC wild card picture. And how great has uh, Seattle been playing a blade? They really have. Well, they, they have turned been- it around. They had to. They had to. And we, they, figured, and they, we figured they would, and they look like they're going to be able to make the playoffs. Once again, they still got another game at hand with Arizona, so they finished tied. They're going to be able to you know, have the tiebreaker and win that division. And then the Niners are right there, but Seattle just won their game against the San Francisco 49ers. So Seattle, for all the talk of what's going on with them when they were 3-3, three and three, they sit right now at 8-4. and four. 
looking like a very good football team going forward. Big win against the San Francisco team on Thursday night. Big win against the 49ers. They really they defensively they just they just they had the Niners. They had the Niners hand. They really just dominated them, especially in the second half of the football game. The Niners couldn't do anything offensively. Uh, but the, the Philadelphia Eagles with that high-powered offense against the Seahawks defense, I think that'll be a great game. Battle of the Bay Area, 425 on Fox. Niners at the Raiders. The Raiders 1-11. We're hoping for the upset, obviously. And the San Francisco 49ers at 7-5. They need every win they can get right now. You have Seattle. We just talked about it at 8-4. Cardinals at 9-3. They're trailing in their division. They're trailing in the wild card. Big game for the Niners. Need to take a hair advantage against a bad Oakland team. They have to take advantage against a bad Oakland team. And Colin Kaepernick's got to play a whole lot better than he has in the last couple weeks. They can't turn over the football. And they have to have a game plan to really attack this weak secondary of the Oakland Raiders. And the uh, one and eleven, you, you you know, if you're if you're a serious playoff team, in all seriousness, like we thought, the 49ers would be coming into the season. Obviously, they've struggled at seven and five. They're right there. They got to beat the Raiders. No question about that one. And let's get now to the Sunday night game, which is a very good one this week. New England at nine and three against the eight and four Chargers. Chargers in con- in control of their own playoff destiny at eight and four, currently holding on to a wild card spot. And then you have a New England team that you know should hold their heads very high. They played a great Packer team on the road and gave them a great game. It would have been great to see Brady get a chance to drive them down for the win if they got the ball back, but. Green Bay was able to run out the clock and make sure Tom Brady didn't get that opportunity. But Patriots are 9-3, clearly, in my opinion, the best team in the AFC, taking on a Chargers team that always gives them fit. You look at the last couple of matchups between these two teams, and the Chargers in 2008 won 30-10. The Patriots won 23-20 in 2010. 2011, 35-21 Pats. All these games are always close. Should be another good one when the Pats and Chargers go at it. And with the game in San Diego, definitely gives uh, more of a chance to the San Diego Chargers. We all know how good the New England Patriots are, especially in prime time at home. You know, luckily for the Chargers, this one's in San Diego. And the thing I like about the San Diego Chargers is they went through a little stretch in the middle of the season where you were, like, were you scratching your head about some of the play calls, what they were doing offensively, if they really had an approach. Because they were so good, if you remember, early in the season. I mean, we were talking Phillip Rivers, possibly MVP. MVP, the best team in the AFC, and they really tailed off. They've gotten their thing together the last couple of weeks. But when you look at New England on the other side of the ball, New England's, yeah, I mean, you saw the frustration in Tom Brady's face at the end of that game when they panned over to him on CBS. He was frustrated. He felt they should have won that game. It was a game that was for the taking. You know, missed field goal here, missed uh, you know, a couple of plays there. They win that football game. It's going to be a good matchup. Obviously, the San Diego Chargers in, in, in control of their own destiny. And then, of course, you mentioned the Chargers. And what's different about this Chargers team compared to previous teams and the legendary Norb Turner is the fact that when the Chargers would start off hot and they'd go through the stretch where they would kind of fall a little bit, they would never be able to get back on track. And they have. And the past years, they have been able to. If you remember last year, they had to win out. They win, I think, they either the last three or four games. To they get won their last the four last year. Yeah, last yeah. four. They had to win the last four to make it to the playoffs. And, you know, this season, after starting off great, you know, going through a bit of a tough stretch, they've been able to bounce back, get on, back on track, and now have an opportunity to really get a statement win over the Pats Sunday Night Football at home. That'd be a huge win for them, just the momentum heading into the last couple weeks of the season. Because as we always say, and football's clearly the case, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. It's I how mean, you finish. We've seen we've seen the two giant teams that were 9-7 and seven and 10-6, and six respectively, with Super Bowls. Well, that's why I, that's why when you look at New Orleans, and it's a, it's a really a great, it's a interesting, such an interesting concept, if they get in and you know figure they get hot and win out and finish 9-7, and seven, you know, they're a team that can, that's really formidable in the NFC. So we'll see how that unfolds. And then obviously Monday Night Football, we briefly touched on it earlier. 
Falcons at five and seven. They need this game, but unfortunately, they're facing Rodgers and the Packers, Pack and they don't lose at home. Aaron Rodgers is having a historic season. He is so good. The where the, the the way he's able to move outside the pocket and how accurate he is with the football. He's he's in my opinion one of the the, the best quarterback I've ever watched. Uh, it's just he's he's phenomenal. He's so good. He's on fire and. You know, at the end of the day, just it's it's too hard to beat the Packers at home. Aaron Rodgers' numbers there are just ridiculous. Yeah, unfortunately for the Falcons, in a must-win situation, they're facing a team that I I just don't think they could beat prime time at Lambeau Field. It's just tough. If they, you know, the Patriots had trouble. The twelve you know, and a half point underdogs. I mean, well, maybe they'll cover the spread, but I I, I don't know if they, I don't know if uh, I don't think they could they could get the win. I mean, the Patriots struggled. Their de- their defense in Lambeau. Their defense their defense is too weak. And when you have a weak defense and you're going against an offense like Aaron Rodgers and the you're Packers, Rodgers at home, you're not I mean, winning. You it's, can make the case they're going to have to score thirty five or forty points. Yeah, Rodgers puts up. Yeah. The, the, look at the numbers that Rodgers has put up in the first half of games. The CBS showed the stat last week. He has thrown an interception. Not only is he not throwing an interception, but their margin of their mar- their lead at the half of these games is three touchdowns or more. It's maybe it's been unbelievable. That's why you know the the Patriots hung around. But at the end of the day, Packers made just enough plays, and Aaron Rodgers is just so much better than everyone else just, right now. It's hard it, to hard to name anyone else out there that's better. I don't think anyone is right now. No, I think right now he's clearly the best quarterback in the NFL. And for the Falcons, I just I can't see them winning this game in Lambeau in prime time. I'd be shocked. It's just you, you figure Aaron Rodgers is going to throw for three hundred fifty yards. So we just went out. We just run, uh, went around the league for you know the last time here in the Aspen and Butick football. Unfortunately, twenty fourteen. But what we're gonna do as we do each and every week, we're gonna take a quick break. But when we do come back, your Jets and Giants weekly uh, rant because we've had nothing to really. Yeah, they both suck. For. So both teams are both horrendous. Terrible. So so we'll get, we'll get to all that, and of course later on in the show, the buy or sell and the pigskin pickums. Also, we'll get to all of it. A little bit later on, but we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jets and Giants and all the good fun that goes with that. You are listening to the Asman and Butik podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. All right, we're back right here on the Asrin Abutic Show Football Frenzy Podcast, week number 14. And now, as we do each and every week, let's get into the Jets and Giants. Jets going to be in Minnesota taking on a Vikings team that's almost as bad as they are, although the Carolina Panthers nah, big win over they're them. They're a little better. <laughs> I mean, they're a little better. Yep. And then, of course, we have a Giants team that's going to be taking on the Tennessee Titans. And obviously, you know, both teams not very good. And the way the Giants lost to the Jaguars last Sunday was. Almost inexcusable. Then the blow a twenty-one nothing lead to a team that's lost seven straight football games. It's terrible. And when the Jets lost eight straight games, people were going nuts. But if the Giants lose this week to the Titans, they've lost eight straight as well. They've lost eight straight as well. If they lose this week to the Titans, we thought they'd have an easy, vi- not an easy victory, but you thought they'd win. Well, they were up twenty-one nothing. We thought the game was. And then over. you're up twenty-one nothing. You think it's 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 no brainer. You know, game over. Shut you know, shut it off and. Yeah, credit Jacksonville. They came back and, and was able to win the game, a rookie quarterback. But that's that's very it's inexcusable if you're if you're Tom Coughlin, you're the Giants. I mean, I I, I, I don't know how Tom Coughlin slept on Sunday night because this team has struggled and, and just when you think it was as bad as it gets and you're playing Jacksonville, maybe you could scrap off a victory, two victories, because then obviously you have a team that uh, in Tennessee the Giants playing this week and you know, you you just have a terrible, terrible loss. But then you talk about the Jets, Jake, they play Minnesota and the Minnesota Vikings a little better than the Jets are, but the problem with the Jets is they're just—it's it's the same old thing. It's the same old issue that they've had. They 
chose to go back to Geno Smith this week, but then they neglected to use Geno Smith at all. You know, the Jets tried to do the old let's win a football game without having a quarterback on the field. You know, in all, and I, I made this point earlier. If me or you were playing quarterback for the Jets, we probably would have had very similar numbers to Geno Smith if they ran the same game plan. Well, the Jets went back to the Geno Smith because, oh, they're, they're mathematically eliminated. Let's just evaluate him one more time. First off, we all, every Jet fan can tell you, every football fan can tell you, Geno Smith is not the answer for the New York Jets. But fine, if you want to play Geno. If you want to play him, okay. I'm you want to evaluate him, fine. I get it. Michael Vick's 34 years old. He's not going to be on the team next year. Play the young guy. I get it. Don't have him throw eight times but until the, the last drive. the problem is that this is the problem. There's a conflict of interest of course. with and the Rex Jets. Ryan, Rex Ryan's trying to win a football game because in the back of his mind, he's trying to either imp- you know add on to his resume to try and get a better job when he's fired by the Jets, or in the back of his mind, what can I do to keep my job? Exactly. And obviously, winning helps. It's a but, conflict of interest. And if John Isaac wanted Geno Smith, that's fine. But clearly, Rex and Morningweg were going to say, you know what? We're going to stick it to you, John. We're going to run the football. And, I'm, and if Rex is going down, he's saying he's going to go down do, doing it his way, running the football, grounding and I mean, that was grounding and pounding on steroids. The Jets in 09 with Mark Sanchez as a rookie didn't ever run the football the way they did against the Miami Dolphins the amount of times they did. Well, it, they, had six, they had a lot of success running the football. but when In you, the first half. In the, yes. But in the second half, when there was time to make adjustments, they didn't. They only had 37 rushing felt, yards. Because they felt that if you, you know it's working, let's stick to the same game plan. And it tells you two things. One, they have... N- Below, they have negative confidence in Geno Smith throwing the football, and it tells you something else. It tells you that, like I mentioned before, there is a serious conflict of interest between the coaching staff and the front office. Because if you're gonna, let, and let's be honest here, if you're gonna let Geno play, let Geno throw the football, you know, thirty times. Let Geno throw the football. Let's see what he could do. In, 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 in listen, a Monday night game listen, against the Miami Dolphins. If you're going to run the football in the first half, you ran for 200 yards in the first half. That's fine. You ran for 218 yards in the first half alone. Totally acceptable. But when the Dolphins started putting eight and nine guys in the box and you're still running the football on third and nine for the five-yard line, they ran a stretch play at one point in that game. That's unacceptable. And, and listen, I understand You know, Rex is trying to do things his way, but why have Geno Smith out there if you're not going to throw it at all? Well, Put well, in Michael Vick. No, at I'm that s- point, Rex, if you want to go to Vick, you could. John Issa can't stop you from doing that mid-game. And, and that's, a great, that's a great point. And I think, and, and Jake, you mentioned this after the game, maybe J- Rex was trying to stick it to Idzik. I, really, I, I truly that, think that, he was. You know what? That I could really be the do. case because in all seriousness, if he wanted to go, if he said it maybe at half, at maybe midway through the third quarter, you know what? Let's throw. Let's put Vic in, and let's see if he could spark something downfield. Well, down the air attack when the running game was was halted by the Dolphins putting nine guys in the box. The Jets didn't do that. Rex stuck to the same game plan that they had in the first half, which was just run the football. I mean, Gino was four of eight for forty five yards going into the Jets' final drive. You cannot win a football game like that. Yeah. I, I, it, it's very difficult to win a football game without a quarterback. You can, and then of course Nick Falk of all people, who's been probably the Jets' best player if you look at his performance this season. Yeah, he missed, he two, missed field two field goals. goals, and then that Calvin Pace. I don't know what he was doing. He had an interception that was the easiest pick in the world. Hit him right in the face mask. So that was another blunder by but, the but Jets. But the team. one thing I will say, if the Jets is executed, maybe they do win the game. But as a head coach, it's your job to adjust to when the other team adjusts. Exactly. And Rex didn't do it. So I think, honestly, Rex was thinking to himself, Let's sti- let me stick it to John Isaac. Not only am I going to not have Geno Smith throw, but I'm going to win the football game in the process. And they were this close to being able to do it. But once again, but if Geno Smith throws eight times until the final drive, just put it Michael Vick. No, I mean, the, it's the, terrible. The problem is, when you then you get to the final drive, you're down three points, and you have to throw the football. You have to move the ball downfield. It was, very, it, in my opinion, it was unfair to rely on Geno Smith having really not, he wasn't, not even, 
even throwing the football most of the night to, to, to expect you to drive you down the field. No, now. and that last that last interception was predictable. Third and the three guys, we all saw it was coming. But, but I, and, and Gino's bad, but I felt you know once and I felt for the you know for, for, an, for uh, another time with a quarterback, Rex Ryan once again. And the Jets coaching staff once again puts their quarterback in a position to fail, and I feel like we've seen this one too many times. You cannot you throw you you throw the ball eight times, and you, then you ask your quarterback to try to win you the game on the last drive. Uh, Geno Smith is bad, but it's not fair to put him in that sort of position. That's a position to fail. No, that's I, putting him in a position to fail. I agree with you, but I also will say this: early on in that game, when the Jets did throw, they threw the ball three times on that first drive. If you remember, they threw it to Decker twice. He dropped it both times. Or he had a he had a drop and they had one quick slant completion that was it and then Geno Smith in that game missed Percy Harvin he open did. twice one of them would have been for about a thirty yard touchdown if he hit him in stride and the other one was a quick you know a, a quick touch pass that he missed I mean that's unacceptable off the uh, line it, of scrimmage it, it is. so Geno's got to make those throws at the end of the day the Jets won't give you more I bet if Geno made some of those throws maybe he gets more opportunities but another thing I'll say and we don't need to spend that much time breaking down this game because we know the Jets are a bad football team but it obviously represents the conflict of interest between Rex and John. It's a problem. But one more thing I'll say is how, how come no play action passes? That's the one thing Geno Smith actually is not yeah, they, bad they, at. They didn't do any. They didn't do action. any of that. And I mean, they really ran it off. They they for the most part it was interesting because you saw they ran a Syosset High School they really, Braves they, offense. They, they, pretty they, well they ran they ran a, a really traditional college offense. They ran a, a college offense. The only problem is we're not, we're not playing college football. This isn't college football. They ran a, a a college offense, two backs and a fullback, and tried to. Tried to, it was almost like it was almost a little Chip Kelly esque with some of the uh, some of the options that Geno Smith was running, but they 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 just never threw the football. They just decided to run it, you know, forty nine times and throw it twelve times, really only eight times until the final drive. Mm-hmm. It's just it was one of those things where it was it was boring to watch, especially in the second half. And it was and then you're right, the Jets became very very predictable, and there was no adjustments on offense by the Jets, which I you know very surprising that you know when you see you can't run the football, try to do something else. They didn't do it, and nope. if you and if you and if you don't trust Geno, put in Vic to do it. They didn't do that. No, because I think I really think obviously John, or excuse me, Rex and um, Marty Warren were trying to stick it to Isaac for forcing their hands by making them start Geno Smith, because you know with Rex and Marty both both of them having their jobs on the line, they're gonna try and start the quarterback that gives them the best chance to win that game. And obviously Geno Smith wasn't the answer because they had him throw eight times. It was Michael Vick, and they didn't let him. That's do it. why. That's why you put. You, you put Rex Ryan in a very difficult position because how is he supposed to coach this team through the final five games coming into this past week? How is he supposed to coach this team and realistically, you know, give the team the best chance to win when the better quarterback, you know, in everyone's opinion, even though Vic has struggled last week against Buffalo, is the better quarterback and he's not playing. And he's available, and he's not playing. Right, you're absolutely right, and you know, just another another loss to the Jets. And at this point, I my 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 philosophy with watching them is I'm going to root for them to win. I can never root against my team, but if they lose, we move on. Better draft pick as we currently stand. The Jets only have the fifth pick in the draft right now. So as bad as they've been, there's been four other teams that have technically been worse than them. That's, so I mean, which is unbelievable which considering is, they only have two wins. Yeah. So I mean, uh, four games to go. Jets remaining schedule looks as yeah, it's, lo- it's looks, just, looks with games against then, the Vikings this week. Then they have the Titans, the Dolphins, and the Pats or Pats and Dolphins. So and then you got the Dolphins playing Tennessee. I mean, I, I mean, pardon me, you got the Giants playing Tennessee. And just switching back to the Giants for a little bit. I mean, Tom Coughlin 
Yeah, it's tough for him to survive after that loss. It's it is gonna be tough. It's going to be very tough to keep tough him around. Tough case to make, but what do you do with a coaching legend there? How do you how do you get rid of him? How do you force him out? Uh, well, how do you force uh, him to resign? Uh, well, I, I think, don't think they'll ever fire him. I think he's going to resign. I really think he's going to step so down. So you think this is it? I think this is it. He's going to step down. But I think I think the man that needs to be fired is Jerry Reese. Part of me tells me that Coughlin could be back next year, but I don't I know. I think Jerry Reese needs it's to go. Tough. I agree with you. If I'm a Giant fan— He did such a bad if job. I'm a the Giant last fan, couple of years, Jerry, Re- Jerry Reese has not been—and people are going to say, well, he never got a chance to pick his own coach, and that's true. He won two, two Super but Bowls. But he won two Super Bowls, so I don't need to hear that he needs to pick his own coach. I think it's time—the coach that he had in place was a hell of a coach. Yeah. You don't get it. So I, that, that's, not a, that's not a legitimate excuse for me he needs to pick his own coach. I think at the end of the day, Jerry Reese has been there long enough. It's If the Giants are going to get rid of Coughlin, then I think they should get rid of Jerry Reese, too. If they're going to keep Coughlin, obviously. You're not going to bring in a new GM and force them to keep Coughlin like the Jets did with Rex because we've seen how that's worked out. So it's it's one or the other. It's either they're both back for another season or you make a change with both of them. We'll well, find, I think and we'll what, find out what, what happens. What I think is going to happen is I think they're going to get rid of Reese and Coughlin's going to resign. I really think that's what's going to happen. But, I mean, Jerry Reese is talking about – I mean – the le- I mean, what what the Giants win to? How the Giants win two Super Bowls is because they dra- they had some great drafts and they got great talent. They got they got they got um they got great talent at late in the draft, fifth sixth round. Whether it was Kevin Boss or, or these guys that really Bradshaw helped him out, was a seventh round pick Bradshaw to help him out and solidify that offensive line. Their offensive line is really bad now. They've had a couple of really bad drafts, a couple of draft picks that haven't worked out that they've kept on the roster a little too long. And that, that's what gets a GM fired. And I think Jerry Reese has done a great job here with the Giants, a couple of Super Bowls, but I think it's time for them to go in a different direction. I, like I said, I think Coughlin's going to resign come the season's end. And we'll see what happens. Part of me still thinks he's back, but obviously I, I think we got to wait and see what happens the final four games. And when we come back from our break here at Ithaca College, the Jets will likely have new management in place, new head coach possibly. That's, oh, yeah. We'll gotta, we'll, so we'll give you the preview now. We will be doing a lot of New York football discussion in addition to the championship weekend because when we come back, it's right around that time. That's true that, you know, the Jets could have a new GM and a new head coach by the time we and get back. And the Giants very well might be too. So both New York football teams might make changes in, in the management. And it's going to be a great bl- It's going to be a great Black Monday. Yeah, it's going to be a <laughs> Interesting one to say to say the least. And those people don't know Black Monday, the day after the last day of the season, the, the Monday after the regular season, when all the coaches, all the GMs are are fired, and and that's typically what happens on that day. So hence the name Black Monday. Well, we all know what Black Friday is at the Roosevelt Field Mall in Long Island. So it's it's intense, man. It's intense. A lot of good deals. Let me tell you, Macy's. Here's your shout out. Thank you very much. Great deals. Buy one, get three things free. I I really enjoyed you got it. Got a lot of Jets gear. No, it will actually a funny story before we get to a break and we'll play a little buy or sell with our producer Jake Chernock. I'm sitting in Foot Locker and I see they have some jet gear. I asked the guy, I go, Is this on sale for part of Black Friday? And he goes, No, I don't believe so. I go, All right, well I'm not buying it. I was hoping it'd be Was it on sale for Black Friday? No, Does he, jet- did he know that they were that, that they were I said I said uh, I said that, two and nine coming I said, into that I said at the time I'm like I'm like, listen, the, the Jets record's two and nine. It should be buy one, get the entire rack for free. Buy one, get the entire Unfortunately rack. that wasn't the deal. <laughs> you know what? The, the all the jet gear should be fair. I know you bought a couple of stuff on NFLShop.com just a few weeks ago on the jet gear. Well, here's the thing: if you remember when they were six and ten in 2012, I actually bought a lot of jet gear then. Stuff I still wear now because you know what? It was cheaper then. So and those people that still I invested want, in the future. And those people that still want Darrell Revis Jets jerseys, you can get them. Nike ones, or the official ones. They're fifteen ninety nine at, at TJ Maxx and Marshalls. Mm-hmm. They're there. They're on the racks. Yeah. So uh, anyone who's a TJ Maxx fan out there, make sure you go and get them. And uh, I actually underratedly, s- you get great. I, I'll tell you what. I only buy my Mets gear at Marshalls. It's all it's great. It's great. They great deals. You spend twenty bucks, you get two shirts, a jersey, and a hat. It's great. 
All right, so uh, we're, we're also happy to announce that effective immediately, TJ Maxx is now the official sponsor of the Asman and Budic Show. I, maybe one day. Maybe one day. All right, so we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll play a little buy or sell. We're bringing on our producer, Jake Chernock. All that and more right after this. You are listening to the Asman and Budic Podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. Keep on waking without the woman next to me. All right, we're back right here on the Asman and Budic Show. And for the final time this semester, we're going to bring on our producer, Jake Chernock, for the Buyer Sell segment. Jake, how are you? I am great, guys. How are you doing? First off, congratulations on being named the assistant sports director of WICB and VIC Radio here at Ithaca College. Tov, as we as we refer to it as. Thank you guys very much. It's been an an honor and a pleasure so far, and I can't wait to work with everybody else for the next semester. It's going to be great. Now, the main question we have to ask you is, uh, is it going to take away time from your role here on the Asman Budic Show? We need you. No, of course not. No, absolutely. My commitment to the podcast remains strong. It will never waver. All right, you heard it here first, so let's get to the, the buy or sell as we do each and every week with you, Jake. And our first buy or sell involves Jets head coach Rex Ryan, could be former Jets head coach Rex Ryan in just four weeks. Rex Ryan in the TV booth next year. Buy or sell? We'll start with you, Dan. I'm selling it. I think he'll be in. I think he'll be a defensive coordinator somewhere before he goes into the TV booth. I think the uh, team's going to pay him. I mean, the TV uh, station would pay him a lot of money too. But I think he wants to stick to coaching. I think he'll be a defensive coordinator somewhere. I'm actually going to buy that. I totally think he'll be in a TV booth. I don't know if he'll be uh, um, on a game crew quite yet, but I definitely think he'll be in a studio role. I absolutely could see him picking. Uh, up where Mike Ditka left off on ESPN. This guy is made for TV with his opinions. He's got a great personality. He is made for television. He's going to get a great salary. Without the stress of coaching, especially in the New York market, I absolutely think he'll go back to I'm going to buy it, too, because I think that Rex will eventually be a head coach again someday. He'll get another opportunity. He's only 51 years old, so age is not a factor with him. I think he goes to TV because if he goes to TV, he could still be involved yeah. in football. You could build up the uh, the whole idea of him being a hot commodity. Look at Bill Cowher. People want Bill Cowher to still be a coach. People want John Gruden to be a coach, and they forgot that Gruden really struggled near the end of his career. Did when he win got a Super fired. Bowl, though. He did win a Super Bowl, so you give him credit there. But that was really Dungy's team, but look what uh, – uh, but Rex Ryan still has a very impressive resume. If he wants to be a defensive coordinator, he'll be the highest-paid defensive coordinator in history to whatever team he goes to. But I can see him as a head coach again. I don't think he'll be able to get a head coach this off, a head coaching job this offseason. But I think if he goes to TV for a year, maybe takes a year hiatus, similar to what Terry Francona did in baseball, Could be. and then went back to managing the Indians, I think it's very possible that Rex goes to TV for a year and then he goes right back to coaching, being a head coach again in the NFL. I think he'll get another it, it chance. It could happen. I just think he'll. I just think he wants to stay on the field. I don't know if he necessarily wants to go to TV. I think he still lo- loves to be on the sideline. I could see him taking a head defensive coordinator position. Jake, second, well, two Jakes, second buy or sell the Green Bay Packers, the pack attack in the Super Bowl this year. I'm gonna buy it. I, I, I like the way this Packers team is, especially with the way they're playing. They put themselves in position to get home field. Last year we talked about Seattle having that home field advantage and what it meant to them having those two games at home against the Niners and against the Saints. I think it's the same effect with Green Bay, just because of the way Aaron Rodgers performs at home. His numbers are just ridiculous. He hasn't thrown an interception at home in two seasons. You know, it's remarkable. And you look at this Packers team; they they got everything going. They started one and three. Rodgers told them to relax. They haven't lost since. They're on fire right now. I'm buying them right now. Until a team beats the Packers in their building, it's hard for me to pick against them. I like the Packers. I'm buying it. I think they're in the Super Bowl. I'm going to buy them at, uh, buy that as well. And I think really the biggest benefactors of Carson Palmer tearing his ACL probably is the Green Bay Packers because 
really the Arizona Cardinals have been the top team. In they the could NFC. have been the one seed, yeah. They absolutely could have been the one seed. They're really, um, you know, Green Bay's only competition for the one seed right now, except for Philadelphia. But, I mean, I just can't see anybody beating Green Bay at home right now. Jake, you just talked about it. Rodgers has been terrific on on his home field. Although, who knows, maybe we'll see someone come into Lambeau like the Giants did a couple years ago and take them down. That's true. That was The Giants went in there and really dominated that football game, obviously advancing to the championship game later on to the Super Bowl. We all know what happened. I'm going to buy it, too. I think, if especially if they have home field advantage, they're not going to lose a game at home. Aaron Rodgers, is un, especially this season, but in his career, unbeatable at home in Lambeau. And we saw it this past week against... Uh, a really formidable opponent, a really good football team in the New England Patriots. I'm going to buy it. I think they're in the Super Bowl. They're the best team in football. All right, guys, final buy or sell. Harbaugh coaching the Raiders. Of course, Jim Harbaugh, the Niners coach right now. There was already a report came out that the Raiders are trying to trade for him. The Jets are rumored to be interested as well. We'll start with the Raiders, though. Buy or sell, Harbaugh coaching the Raiders. I'm going to buy it. I think he's going to coach the Raiders. He's a West Coast kind of guy. Wants to stay on the West Coast. I just think it's the it's the perfect fit for him, especially if they have the number one overall pick. You know, Marcus Mariota, a guy that you know, obviously they, they say they go after him, they pick him. He's a hardball guy. He's shown interest, and I, I just think that's a team that he could take over the head coaching reins, be the GM, and really have that full control that he wants. Well, that means that you're assuming that he's definitely gone in San Francisco, and he, he, and he doesn't have an interest in college. I think the only reason he's gone in San Francisco, and I think he wants to stay in the pros, I think he's gone in San Francisco. There's a power struggle there. He, you know, And, and I think that's something winning isn't going to change. I think that there's a clear divide between power, between the head coach and the front office. I just think the writing's on the wall that he's out at the end of the season in San Francisco. You know what? I'm actually going to sell this, and I think that he'll be coaching at Michigan next fall. I think this is what you're about to say, Jake, too. Maybe not, but he's a Michigan guy. Michigan, they've certainly demonstrated that with their last hire of Brady Hoke. He's now fired uh, um, in Ann Arbor. I think that they're going to hire Jim Harbaugh. Assuming he wants to coach in college again, he's a great college, uh, college head coach. We already saw all the success he had at Stanford with Andrew Luck. He can bring in his own quarterback at Michigan. I think he'd have a ton of success there, and then maybe, just maybe, uh, down the line we'll see him in the NFL again, but I do not think he'll be coaching the Oakland Raiders. I'm going to sell it, too. I'm not sure where he's going to end up, but I don't see it as the Raiders. I could see him still staying with staying with the Niners, depending on how their season unfolds. Hard to pass judgment there. He's such a good football coach. He's so a great every, coach. So every, every NFL team's going to want him. Every team that has a coaching you know, opening is going to at least want to interview him for the position because of his resume. It speaks for itself. So if he's not with the, the Niners, I think he can obviously be with another football team. I think team. the Raiders is such a great I just think fit, The though. Raiders is a great fit, but it you have to see what the Raiders are willing to do if they have the trade for him, if the Niners are willing to let him renegotiate, because he's still under contract with them, so a team would have to trade for him, which means that the Raiders can get outbid by another team. And then, of course, as you know, Jake, you just mentioned it, Michigan's out there. He's a Michigan guy. He's been a college football coach before with Stanford. That's where he got his start in the NFL when he got first got hired by the Niners. He wants a lot of power, obviously. You have no more power than when you go to Michigan, and you could be a guy that can recruit your own players, you can coach your own players, and you can make all the decisions out there on the field. So very good fit if he wants to go to Michigan. So I think there's a lot, so many different scenarios. I'm not going to hone in on just one with the Raiders. That's why I'm going to sell it. Yeah, I think it's also interesting because uh, Dan and I both assume that he'll leave the 49ers, but I think it's interesting there's a point that you made 
who knows if he even does leave that organization. I mean, how hard is it to fire a guy that's been to three straight NFC well, championships and then a berth in the Super Bowl? And that's it's not mentioned. firing. It's not firing him. I think there's a clear there's a clear divide in there's a clear divide in power. I don't think it has to do with firing him. That's why I think whether they make the playoffs and win a game, I don't think that matters. I so you think, think that, he's gone regardless? I just think there's been such a divide and there, there's been such such chaos between him and the front office. I just think it's going to end with him going. I don't think it, I think if a resolution was going to happen, it would have happened already. I think it's also interesting because we don't know who the Niners would then hire after that. You know, do they actually believe there's a guy out there that could coach this team? Well, I was reading a, a report from Adam Schefter this week, and he said that it, you know one of the, that there's still team sources within the Niners organization that believe that John Harbaugh, Harbaugh could still sign the extension, or Jim Harbaugh could mm-hmm. still sign the extension to remain as the coach of the 49ers. I, I, that's why there's so many possibilities right now with four games left and the playoffs that the Niners get in at seven five right now. A lot, a lot still has to happen for this for him to definitely be leaving the Niners organization. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I just think it's not, it's not going to – I don't think it's going to matter on wins. And, and unless they win the – I don't think it's going to matter on how far they go. I think this is something that is compl- comp- has nothing to do with on the field and, and, and results because we know the results are there with Harbaugh, you know. Three NFC Championship appearances, a Super Bowl appearance, almost wanted to beat his brother in the Super a Bowl. A play away. A play away uh, of winning the Super Bowl. So I, I don't think it has to do with results on the field. That's there. That's set in stone. It just has to do with issues in the front office. And, and that's, you know, it happens a lot. And we've seen with coaches before. Absolutely, guys. But Jake Chernock, thank you for being a part of Buy or Sell all semester long. And thank you for helping us produce the show as you do each and every week. And now we're going to get to your final four downs of the year. Uh, it's been so much fun, guys. Always just a pleasure to join you guys, and uh, happy that this all worked out perfectly. So let's get the Jake Chernox four downs right now. Now it's time for four downs with Jake Chernock. On first down under Mark Sanchez, the Eagles' offense has been better at finishing drives and limiting turnovers. Granted, the Eagles still lead the NFL in turnovers this season with 28, but they were averaging more than 2.6 per game in Foles' starts this year. In Sanchez's starts, that rate has dipped below two. Fewer turnovers mean more opportunities to score, and Sanchez has been able to convert. The Eagles are scoring on nearly half of their drives with Sanchez, after scoring on one-third of their drives with Foles. On second down, the Jets rushed for 210 first-half yards, the most by a team in any half this season. But the Dolphins' defense limited the Jets to only 67 second-half yards on the ground, slicing their 7.2 yards per carry average from the opening half to 3.4 in the final 30 minutes. On third down, C.J. Anderson had his second straight big game for the Broncos. A week after he rushed for 167 yards and a touchdown against the Dolphins, he rushed for 168 yards on 32 carries. He's the first player to rush for at least 160 yards in consecutive games since Bryce Brown of the Eagles did it two seasons ago, and the first Broncos player to rush for at least 160 yards in consecutive games since Ruben Drowns ran for 193 and 176 in consecutive games in 2004. Finally, on fourth down on Sunday, the Packers jumped out early thanks to help from a couple of unlikely sources and then held off the Patriots to win 26-21. The Packers have won four in a row, eight of nine overall, are 6-0 at home, and are 3-0 against the AFC East this season. The Patriots lost for the first time against the NFC North since their first game against that division in week six of 2002 to the Packers. Their streak of 14 straight wins against the NFC North was the longest since the creation of the, div- of the division in 2002. With the four downs, I'm Jake Chernock.
You are listening to the Asman and Butic podcast on ICTV.org and on iTunes. And it is indeed that time, the Pigskin Pick'ems. Are you ready? This week's Pigskin Pick'ems starts right now. Let's get right to it. Jets at the Vikings. Jets are six-point underdogs going on the road. I'm taking Minnesota. I think Minnesota is going to win the game at home, outdoors. It's cold. It's been a tough place to play this year for a lot of teams. I think Minnesota is going to win. Taking Minnesota as as well. I think Minnesota, after their very impressive win over Carolina, keep thing, keeps things rolling. Teddy Bridgewater has played a lot better, I believe. He's a lot gotten better. better. He's improved. He really has as the season's gone on. I just don't think the Jets are good enough right now, and if they're going to try and run the, you know, only pass the ball eight times into late in the fourth quarter, they're not going to beat anybody. So give me Minnesota minus six. I think they beat the Jets at home. And next game, Giants at the Titans. Giants are one-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road against Tennessee. And I'm going to take the Giants. If they get to the way they played against Jacksonville, they owe it to Tom Coughlin to come out with a much better effort. Titans are just just as bad. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think the Giants are due for a win. I think they get the win on the road. I can't see the Titans, uh, the Giants, excuse me, losing back-to-back games uh, last week to the Jaguars, this week to Tennessee. I think the Giants are going to win. Patriots at the Chargers. New England and the Chargers, always a good matchup in primetime. New England's on the road, but I'm still going to take a minus four. I just think the Pats are rolling right now. I think they get back on track off of a very close, very tough loss to the Packers just a week ago. Yeah, I'm also going to take New England. I think after a tough loss to the Packers, you mentioned they're going to want to bounce back this week. Sunday night at San Diego, New England's going to win it. And finally, Dan, our last pigskin pick em game of the season. Falcons at the Packers. This game is on Monday night football, and you have Green Bay minus 12 and a half. Taking on a Packers team that we talked about. it, They seem unstoppable, and I'm still going to take the Packers. I just don't trust Atlanta. Maybe they can make it close, but I think at the end of the day, Green Bay is able to pull away and cover that big spread. Yeah, 12's a lot to, to take Green Bay to cover, but, I mean, if you've seen the way they played at home, it, it's not so hard to take them. I'm also going to take them to cover that spread and win the football game. Well, Dan, that's going to do it for us. It's been a very exciting pigskin pick'ems all season long, and you know what? We'll do it again next year when the Football Frenzy podcast returns for another season. Another season of the Football Frenzy co- podcast. Maybe the Jets will be in the Super Bowl. Uh, probably not. And uh, that's going to do it for us, though. Thank you to everybody who helps us on the show. Great producers we all, have here. All our assistant producers, our main producer, Jake Chernock. And, of course, you, the listener, ICTV, everyone, for allowing us to be on the airwaves. We'll be back a little bit later in the semester. We'll have some, some preset special interviews. We don't want to give away just yet. But that's going to do it for the football frenzy for the semester. So once again, thank you, everyone out there, for making it possible. Thank you to the listeners. We appreciate it. And we'll see you very soon when we come back. A lot more football covers. We'll get into the NBA, the NHL. Let's go Islanders. Yeah, when we, when we, we have com- a lot to do. Yeah, when we come back from break, it'll be championship football time, Super Bowl time. So it's always an exciting time of the year. And by that time, we should have a lot more baseball offseason moves. So we'll get to all that. And, of course, the NBA, the NHL, everything I just said, we'll cover it all. And we're excited to get to it, but that's going to do it for us. So long, everybody. Thank you once again for tuning in as a. Thank you for listening to the Asman and Budic podcast. Make sure you go on to iTunes and subscribe to the show.